Welcome back, folks. I am your host, the NFL Always Offseason GM, Fred. And we got a great show lined up for you here today. It's the last one before the NFL draft. So we're going to make sure we hit on our top five corners and safeties. Then we're going to lead right into some NFL draft superlatives. And then also we're going to close it out with some of our favorite bets for the upcoming NFL draft. Make sure you stay tuned. Some really great episodes. Let's just get right after it. So coming back to our top fives for the NFL 2022 draft, we're going to round it out and get our last two position groups done here. It's going to be cornerbacks and safeties. So I'm just going to give a disclaimer right off the bat here. Uh, safeties are some of the hardest ones to scout just because of the film angles that come through on some of this uh, this college football stuff. So I'm not going to sit there and say I'm the best scout for college safeties. But I do have an opinion on, on who I think is going to be uh, the most successful uh, the, the best guys in this draft that I did at, was able to rank them. So coming back to the cornerbacks, our number five cornerback in the 2002 NFL draft is going to be Andrew Booth from Clemson. Now, Andrew Booth from Clemson uh, missed most of his offseason, or excuse me, not offseason, but uh, pre-draft uh, workouts. Uh, I believe he sat out the combine. He sat out the pro day. Uh, I think he tore like a core muscle in uh, in his abdomen that forced him to sit for most of this. But I know a lot of people are really high on this guy. They, and when you watch his tape, the one thing that stands out is I don't really think he needed the athletic testing. I think you can uh, get a good enough opinion on him based on what you're seeing on film. He looks like a guy that's ready. He's got the physical tools to be able to play the position at the next level. I think he does get Burton coverage a little bit, and he's not this huge, ginormous uh, prospect. Uh, frame-wise, I guess, compared to some of these guys that are going to make our list. So I, I, I like his ability to, to develop and fit into pretty much any system. I just don't think he's going to be your high-end cornerback one prospect that's going to be able to co- or cover and travel with number one receivers at the next level. So that's going to put him at number five on my list. Still a, fr- a fringe first-round type of guy. Uh, moving right along into our cornerback number four in this year's NFL draft, it's going to be Kyrie Elam, uh, the cornerback out of Florida. Kyrie Elam was a guy that I was really, really, really impressed with watching him last summer. And as the, as is the case with a lot of the other guys on this list, as we've said in previous episodes, it's not necessarily that he did anything to like detract from his tape this season. I don't think what you saw on tape this year really pushed him down. It's just so many of these other guys that are on this list were either already above him or they, they showed something on film that they didn't show in the past that really elevated their game. I still have him graded as like a fringe 1-2 prospect in this draft, so I think he's worthy of a first-round selection, if not the, the second half of the first round. But what you see on tape is he's this lanky guy that's got some really great athletic traits. So he's like 6'3", 6'2", and he went to the combine on the 4-4-1. He had some pretty decent uh, three-cone and sh- short shuttle numbers, but they're not quite up to par with uh, what you'd expect from, you know, a day one shut lockdown corner. So he, he's got some fluidity issues. He's a little stiff in and out of his break. But I think he's the type of guy that you can stick in, like, some press man, and he could really excel in, like, a covered or, or number two cornerback position at the next level. Uh, I did like some of the stuff I saw in zone with him, too, which uh, I know a lot of other people necessarily didn't like. And he's a willing tackler, so I, I think that that's all going to play well for him at the next level. And he's got the, the NFL bloodlines. I believe his uncle uh, Matt was Matt Elam, former safety for the Baltimore Ravens. 
there's a good lineage there as well too. But I, on film, I think that you're getting a high quality corner. He's played in the SEC. He's battle tested. So I really like think that that that's stuff that you can bet on, especially with the guy the guy's frame like he has. I think that that's something that'll translate well to the next level as well. Now moving right along to our third cornerback in this year's draft, and I'm not gonna lie, this is a guy I got to real late in the process. Uh, he really started shooting up draft boards the last month or so, and that's kind of what put him on my radar. But it's going to be Tariq Woolen out of University of Texas, San Antonio. And this guy was an athletic phenom. I know uh, if you follow the relative athletic scores on Twitter, uh, the RAF scores out of 10, this guy's like the best prospect, I think, to ever come through on those numbers. I, don't quote me on that. I believe from what I've seen, he's the number one cornerback in the history of relative athletic scoring. So, at 6'4", he ran about a 4'2'6", I believe, and he had just an absurd three cones and a short shuttle number as well, too. That tells you that this guy's really fast, he's really big, and he's got really good change of direction skills. And when you watch tape, most of that translate over, translates over except his change of direction stuff. He gets beat on some, uh, some double moves. But what you're going to see from this guy in terms of what he does bring and what he is good at, he's good at press coverage. And he uses his length to his advantage. He does really good with his hand placement. He's able to stay sticky with guys down the, the line, of, or excuse me, down the field. And he's able to stay in that hip pocket positioning. And when you see him match up against some of these guys, some of these guys are like six four, six five, and he's just as big. So that that really plays well in his favor. That is, if he's within the radius, he's getting a hand on the football. He's sticking with guys down the field. It makes those throwing windows that much smaller, and it, it makes it that much easier for him to stick with these guys and kind of read their routes and get a feeler on it. So I really like his ability to, to play at the next level just mainly because he might not be a cornerback one prospect right out the gate, but I think this is a guy you can develop into one just based off his athletic traits, his frame, and what he's shown on tape so far where he excels. So that's gonna good enough for me to give him a first-round grade and our number three cornerback in this year's draft. Moving along to the second, or cornerback two prospect in the NFL draft for us this year, and just an official disclaimer is the number one and number two guys, I'm pretty sure we know who they are, but I have them neck and neck. They're ranked sixth and seventh on my overall board. So these are really, really elite prospects. I think these are some of the best players in the entire draft right here coming up on these next two spots. And the first one's going to be Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. Sauce Gardner, I believe, don't quote me on this state this fact, but I don't think he gave up a college football touchdown in coverage for like three years. And if he did, it was only one or two. And I think he's got like a uh, career like 30, 40 percentage uh, completion, completion percentage against him as well, too. So, like, those are some of their numbers. And he's played at a, a D1 level for, like, I believe two or three years here. So he's got some serious tape out there showing that he's a shutdown, lockdown type of guy. So he's got the checkbox for the film. And you move right along to the second checkbox. Okay. He went to the combine. He's 6'2", 6'3". Uh, about 190, 200 pounds, and he ran a 4.41. Check that box. Those are some elite athletic traits as well for that size. And the the only box that he might not check is going to be the, the high competition level. But when you look at it, he held his own in the college football playoff game, and every fall they went up against, he's always performed at a high level. So that's good enough for me. That stuff's going to translate over. It might take him, you know, a week or two in the preseason here to kind of adjust to that that competition level. But I'm, I'm still buying everything that this guy's selling. And you listen to some of the interviews he did. This guy's all about football. He's all about leadership. He's all about being the best football player and cornerback that he can be. And he, 
and when you play the cornerback position, it's going to take a it's, it's going to need you to take a lot of confidence to play it because you're going to lose just as much as you win. And I really like what Sauce is going to bring to the table, and I think he's he's definitely uh, a number one cornerback type of guy in this year's draft. Leading into our actual number one cornerback prospect is going to be Derek Stingley. Now, I know Derek Stingley has the question marks, and most of them are around his injury issues, the Liz Frank issue he had this last year. It seems, though, that he's really recovered from it going into some of his workouts this offseason and showing that he's got the 4.37 speed and pretty effortlessly as well, too. And that's the kind of athlete we always thought this guy was. But I just think that when you take a look, what separates him from Sauce is really when you look at some of his best tape, he is just another complete level of dominance going back to that freshman year. If, if he can return to that, which I'm not saying he, he's not there, it's just the injuries have really plagued him. He hasn't been able to stay on the field. But when when he's there, he shows that kind of ability. and He's sticky and pressed. Like, he does really good. He's able to run with these guys and be really physical with receivers. And he went up against some of the best of them, you know, Devontae Smith and uh, – Jerry Judy. He went up against all of these guys that have been really high draft picks, and he did really well against them. And the thing that I really think that sets him out compared to Sauce is his ball skill when the ball's in the air. He's almost like he's another wide receiver playing on the defensive side of the football. He does really good at fighting, going and getting that. And that was something that was really present in that freshman year. Now, I think we're really betting on the upside here of some film that's almost two, three years old now, but. I think that it's still there. You just can't lose that dog in you. I think that's still going to stick with him, and I think it makes him an alpha at the next level. I think he's going to be one of the best cornerback prospects we've seen in recent memory, him and Sauce both. And I think that that speaks really high volume compared to some of the guys that have come out of the last few classes. So that's going to round out our top five for the NFL cornerbacks. So leading right off into our top five safeties in the NFL 2022 NFL Draft, we're going to just jump right to number five here. And it's going to be Lewis Seen out of Georgia. Sign Seen. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name. But Lewis Seen uh, out of Georgia, number five NFL safety in the draft this year. And I really like, I'm a huge fan of these types of safeties that are like super aggressive, downhill, not afraid to play in the box, that are almost like an, an extra linebacker, but also can drop back and play some deep coverage stuff. And he fits the bill on this one. This guy's a willing tackler. He's always flying the alley and cutting out running backs. But I don't necessarily see him as, like, this guy that's going to be, like, this, this slot nickel matchup in the NFL that's going to be able to split out with some receivers or cover uh, man-to-man. I, I don't really see that. I see him almost more as, like, this this hybrid deep half uh, dime linebacker role. And – Honestly, at that, I, I didn't see as much physicalness as I was hoping to see. There was a lot of hype around him saying that, like, he's going to take dudes' heads off, come down the middle. And I didn't I didn't necessarily see a ton of that. I mean, he's still a very aggressive player. He's still very downhill. But I just didn't see it to the, to the same regard that I was thinking it was going to come in. And I, I definitely think that if you're looking, safeties have been super – super uh, undervalued, I think, in recent years. I think that they can have a very special role in the defense. And if you're looking for a guy in, like, round two and Lewis Seen's on the board and you're looking for this brand of football player to add to your team, I definitely think he's worth the selection at that point. So Lewis Seen's going to be my number five safety. Uh, rolling right into our number four safety, 
could be Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State. So I don't know if I've described this before or not on the podcast, but there's really two types of safeties. There's going to be your super aggressive downhill guys that are going to be plus box players. Well, three, I should say, three types of players. Super aggressive downhill box players. You've got the guys that are very versatile on the back end that are able to do some man coverage stuff, play some slot nickel corner. Then you've got some guys that are going to be able to drop back and play the deep half. So that's three different types of brands of safeties that you're going to expect out of this, uh, out of basically any defense at any time. And then there's also guys that are all three of these. So they're a mix and match of one or two or three of these skill sets. And Jaquan Brisker really is kind of like this Swiss Army knife. He's the, he's the brand of all three. He can do all three, but I don't know if he necessarily does any of them very extremely well. He's, he's a very versatile player. He's going to be able to do a lot of different things. He's a workout, another workout warrior coming out of Penn State here, a guy that's super athletic, super strong. I think it, I read somewhere that he used to lift with the linemen, that like his numbers are up there that high, that he had, in order to push himself, he was lifting with the, the defensive and offensive linemen, which is extremely impressive for a safety. I think he, he ran in the low 4-4s, so he's got the speed to play on the back end, even to drop down in the slot, even to – I think he's a willing tackler enough that he can play in the box as well, too. But like I said, I don't, I don't think any of these traits are extremely, like, stand off the page, big-time things for me. So that's what's going to put him in at my number four safety. Moving right along here, the, is going to be our number three safety, and it's going to be Jalen Petrie. And he was a senior bowl standout this year. He really shot onto the scene in that regard at that point. And when I was watching him, I had, had tried to keep an open mind with it, but I thought he was so, so good in coverage. He does very well. He can play on the back end, the deep half, single high type of stuff. But also, they, they played him a ton in the box where he was manning up out of, like, slot, slot receivers, playing as, like, a plus defender in the box as well, too, against the run. And I don't necessarily think that's his best role at the next level, but I was really impressed with his coverage skills. He looked, he looked extremely flexible and very fluid coming out of a back pedal, staying and breaking on route. I was very impressed with uh, his ability to do that. And I think that that's going to be a big time asset at the next level. If you've got an opening at the nickel, but you want to have a very diverse defense where you're able to give a lot of different looks and drop him back. So that was something that I really liked about his game. And I think that's going to translate very well at the next level. So Jalen Petrie is going to be my number three safety in the NFL draft upcoming <laughs> on the NFL. Uh, my number two safety is going to be Daxton Hill out of Michigan. Uh, another guy that I don't necessarily think this is going to be your box player. We're not going to line this guy up and be like, hey, it's second down, second and four. We need an extra guy against the run. Come walk down. No. I think he's going to excel, and he's a very, very high-end uh, coverage player in this year's draft. I think he's got the ability – to really take away half the field if you put him in a deep half. He's able to play single high at a very high level and help to where you need help on in that situation and read the quarterback and make plays on the ball. But he's also able to play in the slot and play cover up tight ends, cover up slot receivers, be that nickel defender. And he's going to play all three of those different types of coverage aspects very, very well. So I think that that's, very high value out of the safety. If you can take away half the field, if you can play the high post at a very efficient level, 
there's a there's definitely room for you at the NFL, and I think he's good enough to do it where that's going to warrant a first-round selection for this guy. So Daxton Hill is my number two safety in the NFL draft this year. Leading right into everybody's favorite. Everybody's going to know this is our number one guy here. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame, number one safety in the draft this year. Honestly, he's one of my favorite players in this whole draft. I think I have him ranked as my number two or number three prospect. And when you turn on the tape, you can see exactly why. This guy can do it all. I don't care about what his 40 time was. I remember watching the Florida State game uh, live when they threw this ball on a flag out in the corner, deep down the field, 20, 30 yards. And he came from like 70, 50, 60, 70 yards across the field, makes an interception on this ball. And that's long speed. That's the type, that, that is speed. That's a flying, that's not your 40 yard dash stuff. It's, it's like, you take your flying 20, just put it across the whole board. And like this guy, unreal instinct. He can play in the slot. He can cover up tight ends. And if you're telling me there's no value in covering up tight ends in today's NFL, you're crazy. If you're going up against the 49ers and you need a guy to cover George Kittle, Kyle Hamilton could be your guy. He can also play the deep half on the backside and cover up anybody that's running deep. He can come and play man coverage on a slot receiver. I'm not going to say it's his best tactic or it's his best attribute, but he can do it. And I just love what Kyle Hamilton brings to the field. He was a big-time leader when they had uh, Brian Kelly lead the program. I believe he spoke out on that. That speaks to his uh, intangible uh, qualities as well, too. Uh, There's been very high uh, lauding over his leadership, and rightfully so. I think that this guy is going to be a huge difference maker at the next level. I think if there's as much of a can't-miss prospect in this draft, I'm willing to bet Kyle Hamilton is is very close to that. And I really like how his skill set is going to translate to the next level, whether it's his physicality, his coverage, or just like his instinctual uh, concept recognition that he puts on the field and brings to your team week in and week out. I love Kyle Hamilton, and I think that he's going to be an absolute asset for any team that selects him this coming week in the the first round of the draft. So that's going to round out our top five. I'm looking to get these posted eventually so everybody can keep me honest. in terms of how they actually stacked up year after year. I know I have last year's out there, so feel free to tear me apart on, on based off of that. But uh, as always, we're going to jump right into the next thing. I don't want to waste any more time here. So bringing it all together here for the NFL draft, I wanted to make sure the last thing I touched on here was going to be some NFL draft superlatives. So basically some of the, the headline uh, you, headlines you normally see, like, Goes earlier than expected. Goes later than expected. Best value pick. Biggest surprise. All that fun stuff. We're going to go over that stuff now. And then uh, we're going to take a break after that. And then we're going to get into some of the my favorite uh, prop bets for the, the NFL draft coming up here. Because as we mentioned earlier, by the time this uh, comes out, uh, well, actually, the draft's next Thursday. And the next episode, we'll just be recapping round one. So I wanted to make sure we hit some of our favorites before the draft. So the first superlative that we're going to jump right into here, it's going to be player that goes earlier than expected. So that's going to be essentially everybody's mocking them at some point in the draft, uh, lower down, you know, back half of the first round, maybe it's outside the top 10, and they're going to go way earlier than we're expecting. 
And my selection for that's going to be Jamison Williams. I think that the NFL is placing this huge value on speed. And I really don't think, especially at the top half of the first round, a lot of these teams that are kind of rebuilding are going to be afraid to take a big swing on a guy like Jamison Williams who showed a ton of potential before his injury. They'll redshirt him for a year, maybe use him at the tail end of this year. But then they're going to have this asset moving forward who's an absolutely dynamic talent when he's healthy, and he really proved that at Alabama. So I think that teams are going to have a a big-time value on that. I think most mocks, you see him going in the middle of the first round. I wouldn't be be surprised to see a team – you know, trade up to that number nine spot where Seattle's at and try to take them ahead of the New York Jets or even the New York Jets take them at number 10. So that's going to be one of my spicy takes here that I think Jamison Williams is going to go way earlier than we're thinking. Like if you're sitting there at number 16, New Orleans Saints, and you think that you're getting Jamison Williams, I got news for you. I don't think you're getting them. So the next superlative then is going to be player that goes later than expected. And basically reverse fashion here i think that the slide for kyle hamilton's been very real as of late i think that teams aren't going to value the safety position like they should i think that when you're as good as you are if you're at the top of your game at the safety position and you can take away certain aspects of a team's game uh say the tight end position say that half of the field Say you're very confident in a guy that can play single high for you and cover the whole back half, or the whole back side of the field, or help to where you need help. I think that that's a big time asset in today's game, and I think Kyle Hamilton is the best safety prospect we've seen in quite some time, maybe since Derwin James, and we've seen what Derwin James impacts been when he's been healthy, and I think Kyle Hamilton can have that same impact. But I also have this feeling the more mock drafts I do as of late that I see him falling out of the top 10 and I just, I can't find a home for him over some of these other guys that are getting there in the top 10. So someone's going to get my number two or three overall prospect at about the 11th or 12th selection. And that's going to be much later. And it seems to be a growing trend as of late. Uh, The next uh, phrase here is going to be the best value player in the first round. So someone that's going to go very similar fashion that, He's going to go later in the draft, but he's going to be way, worth way more than that selection. And Hamilton really easily could fall under this one as well, too. But I'm trying not to repeat, guys. And the guy that I find that's going to be the most valuable selection on next Thursday is going to be Devin Lloyd. I think that he's a really, really good football player. And I'm I'm, I'm kind of sad that even the impact that Micah Parsons has had in his, his rookie year hasn't driven up a guy like Devin Lloyd's value because – he can do a lot of the same things, maybe not to the same degree as Parsons did because Parsons was special this past year. But Devin Lloyd can do a lot of the same things. He, he, he can rush the passer, maybe not as good as Parsons, and he's just as good as he was off the ball. So I really like what Devin Lloyd can do, and I think that he's going to end up going somewhere in the mid-teens and the 20s. And he's like a top 10 prospect in my book. I think he's really kind of special what he can do on the field. And his, uh, his instincts and his quick twitch ability, I think that that's, that's something that if you add that to your defense, he can be the missing piece and bring everything together for you. And I just think that him falling to the back half of the first round, or not even the first round at all, is, is almost kind of sad in my opinion because he's definitely worth that kind of selection. So then the same thing is, can be said here. We're going to go with the reverse side of this coin and we're going to go we're going to say the least valuable selection. So I don't want to say the worst value 
because that's that's kind of a negative connotation because I don't think there's any of these really guys can be labeled as a bad value. They haven't proven anything yet. But I think a guy that's going to get drafted really high, that's going to have huge expectations in their rookie season, and it's not fair that they will have these expectations, is going to be Trayvon Walker. So by no means am I saying I think he's going to be bad. I think Trayvon Walker is a little bit of a project. Like if you're expecting this guy to show up day one and have, you know, Micah Parsons' impact that he did this past year, or a guy like, I'm trying to think of other really good rookie pass rushers, you know, a Nick Bosa. Like, if you're expecting that on the day one to get, you know, 10 plus sacks and all these tackles for a loss, I don't think you're getting that with Trayvon Walker. I think you're going to get a really steady player that can play really good against the run and be a good, like, sub, uh, sub package rusher when you kick him inside and get him some of these guard matchups. I think that's something that he can bring to the table on day one. But if we're looking at, you know, this guy that's going to be this top-notch pass rusher that's being selected number two or number one or number three overall, I don't really think that's fair to ask him at that day one. So that's why I'm going to label him as the least value. I don't have him high on my big board for that exact reason. I don't think he's going to be a, a day one impact. I think we can get there eventually. A guy that runs four five and is like six 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 seven, like that's that's some that's some stuff you can't teach. But like it's it might take some time and it might take a good coaching staff to get it out of them. And I just don't think it's going to be fair what some of these fan bases and some of these coaching staffs that are trying to save their jobs are going to try to expect of him as of day one. So Trayvon Walker is going to end up as my least valuable pick in the first round. Uh, the biggest surprise to, to kind of round out this superlative tr- stretch here is I think in the past years with COVID, it's, it was really hard to kind of organize trades. Uh, like we didn't see a lot, a ton of movement, uh, not last year, the year before that, where nobody really moved up and down the board. There was some apprehension as nobody had really known who these these uh, prospects were. And I don't think that that's going to be the case this year. I think they have a little better of an idea. They've been able to sit down and meet with a lot of these people. And I'm going to call it here and say that there's going to be two top 10 quarterbacks selected. I think one is going to be selected just outright in their position, You know whether it's Carolina, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's Seattle. But I'm also going to call my shot and kind of where I was tied this trade thing in is I think there's going to be a trade-up for a quarterback. I think every year we or everybody's been saying how this quarterback class isn't that great, and every year we see it. There's teams that are desperate, teams that need a quarterback. And teams that really fall in love with one of these guys that are going to try to leapfrog guys. I think it's a very realistic idea that someone tries to get to number five ahead of the Carolina Panthers and try to tries to take the number one quarterback on the board. I think it's a very realistic idea, even more realistic possibly, that Atlanta trades back to get more draft capital and someone leapfrogs uh, Seattle thinking that they're going to take a quarterback. So, or someone works out a trade with the Jets for them to get more capital as well to move around the board and gets up to 10 uh, ahead of some of these other teams like Washington, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, New Orleans. Like, I think it's really quite possible. And I think teams are going to really fall in love with guys like Malik Willis, who have this limitless potential with how they use their legs and his arm talent. And guys like Desmond Ritter, who have had a very, very good draft process that have all the intangible things that 
uh, teams like and leadership abilities. And then he goes to the combine and shows that he's got just as much athletic ability, if not more than Malik Willis, running this four uh, four five one or four four two. I can't remember exactly which one it was. But I'm calling my shot. I'm saying there's going to be two quarterbacks in the top 10, and it's not going to surprise me at all. So we're going to take a quick break uh, right before we jump into some of these draft odds and prop bets. So uh, quick break, and we'll be right back with you here. So taking a look at some of the draft props here, and as I was looking at these, there's a few of these that I feel really good about uh, that some of us should be jumping on some of these here. And uh, if you go in there, it's on Bet Online. That's where I'm reading this from. It'll be the odds as of Friday morning when I'm releasing this since I've had to re-record a lot of these segments. So these are live draft odds as of Friday morning prior to the draft. And the first one I'm taking a look at here is going to be the first cornerback selected. And the, the options they're giving up to you here is going to be Ahmad Gardner, Derek Stingley, and Trent McDuffie. Ahmad Gardner minus 500, Derek Stingley plus 275, Trent McDuffie plus 1,600. And I really like Derek Stingley to possibly be the first quarterback off the board. I think that that pro day he had really put a lot of these rumors to rest that the foot injury is going to be concerning as he came out there and ran a 4-3-7 and really showed a ton of athleticism that we were expecting out of him. I think if he doesn't run at that pro day, I think Sauce Gardner is very easily the first guy off the board. But especially at plus money here for Derek Stingley, I think that that's a really good one. There's some serious value there. I'm not saying sell the farm, you know, mortgage the house on it. But I think that's one that could definitely hit. It's, there's a small percentage chance, and it's better than a lot of these. And plus, it's plus money as well, too, so... Derek Stingley Jr. I think would be a good one. The next one's going to be the first offensive lineman selected. And right now, Ikem Ikwanu is the favorite to be the first guy selected here and at minus 130. And I think that if the Jaguars take a lineman, it's going to be Ikem Ikwanu. But I think if it's anybody else taking a lineman, I think it's going to be Evan Neal. So Evan Neal at plus 155, I think also some seriously good value because – I think that neither of these guys is going to go in the first two picks. But at number three, we're staring at the Houston Texans. They could take Ikem Ikwanu or they could take Evan Neal. I'm more so leaning the road. They're going to go Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley, which brings you to number four, which is the New York Jets. And I think the New York Jets are going to go with the safe pick instead of going with the run-mauling physical guy in Ikem Ikwanu that they kind of took a chance on what Mackay Becton and they kind of got that same skill set in the house. So I like the Evan Neal selection here at, at the plus money. It's not extremely likely because it seems like the, the Jaguars are kind of tossing around if it's Iki Iquanu, but Evan Neal at plus 155 is something that I, I could see them making a move at, especially if there's no offensive tackle selected in the first four picks and it gets to the New York Giants. I think it's almost a shoe in that Evan Neal comes off the board. So that's what I like at that prop. The next uh, prop is also going to be the first overall draft pick. Don't really want to hit on that one. Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker, it seems like it's between them two. They're the two favorites right now. Uh, the first QB selected. Now, this one's interesting because I think the heavy favorite here has got to be Malik Willis, and it's evident as he's minus 130. I'm not a huge Kenny Pickett guy. I'm not a big fan of him in general. Uh and him sitting at the second best odds is a little bit concerning to me because I wouldn't want to touch him inside the first 20 picks. 
Uh, Desmond Ritter at plus 700 is interesting if a team really falls in love with him. Say uh, the Seahawks that really like his leadership ability in the absence of Russell Wilson now could maybe make a swing on him. Or maybe no quarterback goes in the top 10 overall. I don't think that's likely based on our last segment. But maybe if nobody goes overall and then you get to 16 and Desmond Ritter falls to the New Orleans Saints, that's a possibility. But the one I like here is going to be Malik Willis. I think it's a very real possibility he doesn't come out of the top 10. I think it's even real that he could go number two to the Lions. I don't think it's likely, but it's a possibility. So I think Malik Willis has got to be the favorite there, and that's why he's he's minus money on this one. Uh, the first running back selected, uh, Brees Hall heavily favored to be the first running back at minus 300. Whether we get one in the first round, I don't know if that's the case or not. I think the Buffalo Bills are the very evident landing spot. I, I've been kind of mocking them with a running back the last couple of weeks here. I think that makes a ton of sense for them. I don't think you should be satisfied with the Devin Singletary's put on tape. Zach Moss is hardly active on, on the active roster. And I think that's kind of like one of the last things in that offense they're missing that can kind of take some of the rushing uh, pressure off of Josh Allen. So Brees Hall is the heavy favorite. I think it's just a matter if he goes in the first round or not. And my vote is yes. I think he sneaks in there. With that athletic testing he threw up at the combine, that stuff was, was a little bit bonkers. So I think that that's going to earn him a first-round selection. The first wide receiver selected is where this is going to get a little bit more interesting here. Uh, Garrett Wilson currently the favorite at minus 115. Jamison Williams at plus 175, Drake London at plus 260, and then Traylon Burks and Chris Olave both at over 2,000, plus 2,000, so plus 2,200, plus 2,500 each, respectively. I think the money here, if you go with Garrett Wilson, I can't wrong it. I think that the highest that you're going to see Garrett Wilson go is going to be that number 10 spot to the Jets. I think if anybody else gets selected earlier than that, it's Jamison Williams. I think I could really see the, the Falcons taking a swing on Jamison at number eight if they stay put and kind of just redshirting them, letting them come along. They got their own draft pick again next year. You can get by this year with Marcus Mariota and this bad offense. You're selecting high again. Get the quarterback you want and start building around them. Free up some of this cap space and this dead money you're losing with the, Matt Ryan and some of these other contracts as well to get them off the books. So I, I like the Jamison William bet here. Uh, it, once again, it's plus 175, so you can really look to make some money on this one, and I think that, that that's one that could definitely hit as well. I'm trying to see what this... I took screenshots of these to make sure I had them for the pod here. And it's going to be the second overall pick odds. I'm just going to be completely transparent here. I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be the number one overall selection. I think it'd be a, a terrible decision to go any other route. I think he's the guy that's going to give the most immediate impact and have the most production in year one. And I think that's exactly what Jacksonville needs is to start winning some football games ASAP. So basically removing him from these odds, which he has the best odds to be the number two pick, which is weird. It leaves you with Kayvon Thibodeau at plus 175, Trayvon Walker at plus 300, Malik at plus 900, Ahmad Gar- Sauce Gardner at plus 14, Akemik Wanu at plus 2,000, and Evan Neal at plus 2,500. So those are the top one, two, three, six there. I think if it's if Aiden Hutchinson's on the board at number two, he's obviously going number two. He's the hometown hero in Detroit there. I think that that one's pretty much written in stone. But... I think if, for some reason, the most likely scenario plays out, as I'm thinking here, 
I'm going to go Trayvon Walker as the number two overall selection. I think he really fits that Dan Campbell mode. I think he's this football first kind of mind that everybody's thinking he is. I think that he's got a huge motor. I think that they've got the coaching staff that can really bring this along and make this happen the way they want it to and develop him the way he should be used. And I think that they have an opening at the edge rusher position that they can really bring him along and give him the reps he needs. So give me Trayvon Walker as the second overall selection. Next is going to be the third overall selection odds. And basically in this assumption, we have Aiden Hutchinson off the board. We have Trayvon Walker off the board. Now who do we have going next? And based on these odds, they are favoring Ahmad Gardner plus 250, Trayvon Walker plus 300, Evan Neal plus 375, Icky plus 375, Kayvon Thibodeau plus 800. Matt Miller just had a report out this this morning or this afternoon for anybody that follows him on Twitter saying that they think that the fall of Kayvon Thibodeau is fake. Uh, essentially, they see his floor as pick number five and that he will be the second edge rusher off the board, which in this case, he is not. But I definitely think that he's coming off the board here and at plus 800, that's a steal for money here. I think if he's on the board, I think Houston Texans are pretty much going to take the best pass rusher available. I, I think that the smoke around them taking an offensive lineman is real, but I don't see them doing it. I think that the edge rusher thing is such a huge need for them ever since J.J. Watt left. They never really filled it, and they never really had much production outside of Watt besides Merciless for a year or two. So give me Kayvon Thibodeau to the Houston Texans to help revive that defense under Lovey Smith. The next one's going to be some over-unders on draft position. And I think that all three of these are going to be really good bets. And the first one's going to be Daxton Hill over-under. So basically under saying he's going to go higher than what they have it set at. Uh, over is going to be he's going over what they have it set at. So the over-under for Daxton Hill is 28.5. I think I'm going to hammer the under on this one. I think he could go as early as like 15, 16 in that range to like the Eagles, to the New Orleans Saints. But I think his floor is like right around the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You think about what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need at safety after losing Whitehead. I think he can solve a lot of those issues and kind of allow Winfield to freelance. So I like them. I I like uh, the Daxton Hill under at 28 and a half. The next one's going to be Derek Stingley. Uh, Derek Stingley currently sits at nine and a half for his under and over position. I just don't see it after his pro day, any world that he falls past the any number of the Houston Texans, the Detroit Lions, the New York Giants, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Seattle Seahawks, who all have a corner need uh, opposite of either someone that's there already or nobody that's a bona fide number one starter. So I just, I don't see him falling past nine. And if his is at nine and a half, I'm hammering it because especially it's, it's minus 150 right now. It's not exactly a ton of money-making odds, but I think that's almost cash in the bank. The last one I wanted to make sure we hit on here and got through was going to be the Desmond Ritter uh, over-under. It's at 29.5 right now, and I think that the love for Desmond Ritter is real. I don't think he's going in the second round. I think he's going somewhere in the top 20 selections. So I think that it's very real that he goes in in the top 16 selections. So that's why I love this one too is because I'm pretty sure it's plus money as well too that he goes inside the 20 inside 29 picks. So I think if if you're a betting person, you live in a betting state where it's legal, 
I think this is one that you have to cash your check on right now because at 29 and a half, I don't see Ritter. Like, <laughs> there's no way. I just don't understand. I feel like if someone, if he's falling to 29, someone's trading up and finding a trade partner to get ahead of the Detroit Lions to take this guy. I think that his intangible qualities are real. He's a winner. And NFL teams love winners. They love winners. They love athletes. And they love these guys that can be the face of their franchise. And I think Ritter's that. I think he's the next guy. I think he's a guy that you can really bring along and develop. And especially if you take the pressure off of getting them outside of the top 10, that's even better. So give me the under at 29.5 on Desmond Ritter. So that's going to be it for our draft props. Hopefully you guys like these. Uh, like I said, it's... It's not exactly betting advice. It's it's if you take it with it as it will be. <laughs> I'll make sure I check back in on these uh, after draft night to let you guys know how I did. Uh, see if we were plus money on this or if we just cost everybody a bunch. But that's a wrap. That's all we got for you guys on this uh, week's episode. Hopefully, you guys liked it. Hopefully, you really have liked the, the top five positional rankings for the draft as we close that out. Um, like I said, we're going to make sure we check back in on some of these bets that we threw out there for this week uh, for the NFL draft because next week we'll be coming to you live on most likely Friday after the NFL draft where we're basically summarizing what happened the night before. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you tune in to get, catch that one as well. Otherwise, we'll see you all next week. Yes. Yes.